0: The message today is about Jesus the lineage of a king and as I um, Was thinking of this message. It's been one. that has uh, been on my mind for a long time but as we in a little while we're going to read the scripture of Matthew chapter 1 and we know that Matthew chapter 1 is the gap the son of son of mother of so anyhow <laughs> I, I asked Jose if he could uh, get it played and somebody else will read it for us <laughs> rather than me trying to stumble over some of the names. But as we as we prepare for that, um, I think of it as a, as a very important genealogy. And the reason I think of it as a genealogy and why it's important is that it isn't something that we would write. You know, in our society, in our... Um, way of looking at our life we have Ancestry.com you know, put your name in there and figure out where you came from well, the Jewish people, the Jewish nation they had that with them all the time they had because to, to the Jewish culture, if you couldn't prove where, who your father was and where your father your lineage was you weren't entitled you are not considered one of God's chosen people so to be God's chosen, be part of that Abrahamic covenant, you had to prove your lineage. If you couldn't prove your lineage, you were out. Of it. So, we find then that Matthew then in writing his gospel is <clears throat> writing to the Jewish community, and they are interested in where you came from and who exactly is your ancestry line. So, to to the Jewish community which Jesus you know came to minister to his people that matthew wrote about this and he wrote about it kind of as, as an extension or a continuation from the old testament from the book of malachi to matthew and so when you whenever the jewish people returned from babylon okay they were in babylon for 70 years and when they returned from babylon to jerusalem and they rebuilt jerusalem you had to prove your lineage If you couldn't prove your lineage, you were excluded from the society. You were were considered less than perfect. So this lineage is very important. And uh, Matthew began by showing that Jesus was a descendant of Abraham, and he was, and of course, Abraham was the father of the Jewish nation. So we begin, as we begin that, or look at Matthew chapter one in just a minute. (laughs) It's gonna be a while until I get there. Uh, we find that um, we find that Jesus, and Matthew writes this up, that he is a descendant of David, and that he is one who is fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies. He's one who is the Messiah because he, you know, it's within the boundaries of what was spe- uh, specified in the Old Testament. The facts of this ancestry were carefully presented. They were carefully reviewed, and again, this this um, being able to trace where you came. How many know where you came from? <laughs> yeah, I know my mom and dad. where did you come from? <laughs> yeah. Do you know your ancestry? Do you know, have you done the Ancestry.com thing? <laughs> you know, my my brother was very much into this, um, the Ancestry.com, and. Uh, now, I don't know if this part is true, but uh, he says that we were, we were descendants, we were here for like the early 1700s or whatever. We came over from Ireland and uh, Scotland. And also, some of the leaders of the Salem witch hunt, those trials, of the, remember reading about that in school in New England and the Salem, they're hunting for the witches and bad things, that some of our family was the leaders of that. I don't believe that, but, You know, not bad people were but uh but they you know you can trace back the lineage you can trace back to where we came from i spell my name mcg well there were two brothers and they were in, in the eastern part of the state and they the family was m-a-c-g there was a lot of disagreement one stayed in that part of the state and the other moved up to punksey uh, Punxsutawney, the Punxsutawney area, and he l- dropped the A to make it MC. So we are, we are an M-A-C. And uh, so it's, people just had different reasons for spelling their names. Or um, the Miller family. You know, why would you, dis- why would you call yourself Miller? Because they ran the mill. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so some of the names then were very much a part of the a- occupation. That people did so in in, so that's how we come up with our ancestry come up with our names and so on well to to the Jewish people if you couldn't prove your ancestry you were no good. So with Matthew's writing it, it ended 400 years 400 years of silence from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament. There was no prophet. There was no one to speak for God in those 400 years. So from Malachi to Matthew, there's a 400 year gap. And Matthew wrote his book to the Jews and he did so to present Jesus as the Messiah. So here is the introduction of the Jewish society to the Messiah. And this is his lineage. And this is where he comes from where he comes from. I know that I've often alluded to the... And the fact that Jesus didn't just show up that there is uh, I, I have to look somewhere of uh, all the hundreds of prophecies about who Jesus is and each book of the Bible is a different picture of who Jesus is and who the Messiah will be. So each of the Old Testament books speak of an aspect of the character of Jesus. And whenever you you start putting this together, you start seeing the, the history that is outlined for what the Messiah is to be, it isn't Jesus. Jesus didn't just show up and say, hey, I'm the Messiah. We are looking at his life and his ministry in accordance with the 1500 years of the Old Testament books. So there's 1500 years of people writing about what the Messiah will be now how can all these people write about one god one Messiah, have the same picture in place the holy spirit the holy spirit that comes to them and inspired them to speak well it's also the holy spirit then that comes to us and inspires us as we read as we read the scriptures that the bible says that the scriptures are they come alive it's living and active it's alive within us and so Whenever we have, I, I, here's another, I don't know where, these are just thoughts that come to my mind. If you like it, God did it. If you don't, I did it. But uh, if we looked at ourselves as basically, and we're not split personalities, but if we were just kind of split, as it were, the physical, uh, mental, uh, emotional, and then we have the spiritual. And the spiritual side is that, that which was, That Which is in all of us that God deals with that the scripture comes in and Influences our spiritual man and the spiritual man is where we confess our sins and ask Christ to forgive us of our sins And live within our hearts we take of communion we take of it physically, but spiritually It means that Jesus died for our sins and rose again because he lives we shall live also and that Jesus will wait until the day which we are with him before he takes of the cup and the and the bread again. And so that's a spiritual part of us. Now that spiritual part grasps hold of the scriptures and it influences the thinking and the actions of the physical man. Okay? The Bible says, Thou shalt not steal. Okay? So the spiritual man is saying, don't steal. Physical man is saying, nobody's watching. <laughs> you know, but we, so it influences our actions. Don't tell a lie. Don't bear false witness. So these are the characteristics of the spirit that influence the physical. Well, here we have the building a case for the existence of the spiritual messiah and also a physical messiah. And we have this case built before us with all of these scriptures of the Old Testament that speak about a Messiah coming. That there's one who's going to come and lead his nation and forgive, uh, be the sacrificial lamb for his nation, and all these types of things. They're all outlined there. And we see Jesus coming and needing all those things. So whenever we think of our faith... We have to think of it in a context that we can justify our faith just as we can justify the signing of the Declaration of Independence. We can justify our faith as real as we can justify the Magna Carta. Just as we can look at those things of history and say, they are because of, and we see these things there. Well, in the scriptures, we have that same type of authenticity. So whenever it calls for us to have faith, it isn't saying, well, let's just believe and it'll come to pass. No, it is a picture presented to us of the statistical review, the, the um, exact science of, of the scriptures and historical revelation Presented in the scripture, now being verified by the archaeologists and the things that they're finding in Israel, it's, it's surprising how that people's uh, take on the Bible changes after they find something, some evidence, they say, well, this people never existed, and then they dig it up and find out, oh, they did exist. <laughs> and so then they change their, their tune. But when people try to disprove the Bible, and they use science to disprove the Bible, then I say the science hasn't found the right information yet because you can't disprove the book. It is historically correct. It's not a campfire package. You know, some, some individuals like uh, they would say about the, the Battle of Jericho and all that, well, those are just campfire stories. <laughs> These people wandering around the wilderness, see who could tell the biggest story, you know. Crossing of the Red Sea and you know all that kind of stuff see if you tell the best story well So the gospel then of Matthew links the Old Testament to the New Testament and it contains many references that show us how that Jesus fulfilled all these Old Testament prophecies So Jesus made it very clear that he believed in the Old Testament When Jesus spoke he believed in what was written in the Old Testament Sometimes uh, people don't believe in the book of Jonah, you know, that's one of those books that, uh, that people like to pick out and say, you know, how can somebody by a great fiction and live and then be hewed out on the ground somewhere? I think I told you about the story of the joke or whatever. The guy, this uh, lady sitting on a plane and uh, she's reading the Bible and the guy says, do you believe all that stuff? It's in the book. And she says, I certainly do. He says, "Do you really believe that stuff about that guy getting thrown over, over, over out of his boat and getting swallowed by a big fish? Do You really believe that?" And she says, "Yes, I do." He says, "How could you believe it? Well, I'll ask. I'll have to ask Jonah when I get to heaven." And uh, and he looked at her and says, well, "What if Jonah's not in heaven?" And she says, "Well, then you'll have to ask him." <laughs> 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 so. So, Jesus often quoted the Old Testament, and here is Jonah that has disobeyed God, and he's running from God. God says, go to Nineveh, and Jonah says, nope, not going there. Those people all deserve to die. I'm going in the opposite direction. Well, he gets thrown overboard. He's in the belly of the fish, three days and three nights. And then, of course, he ends up on the land and headed back to where he was supposed to go. And what does Jesus say about himself? As Jonah was three days and three nights in the earth, so shall I be in his death and I will rise again. So here is even the failure of what we become, the failure of Jonah really is depicting a story about Jesus fulfilling and doing what he has come to do, die for our sins. So we look at the beginning again of our new Testament with Matthew and we do not just look for a few things that we can believe. We begin to see how all of this fits together. That it's a package deal. You know, the whole Bible is a package deal. It takes the, it takes the scripture to understand the scripture. And again, if there was one person writing all these things and putting it together, you, you, you would be trying to piece together the puzzles that you began. You know at the beginning and sort through and whatever and the Harry Potter the Harry Potter or whatever that guy You know that type of beginning sequence and all these types of things to go through with the, And another story and another story and Star Wars you started out in the middle went to the beginning Then you about to the end you know. It's taken how many years to put that together? But the book of the Bible the Bible as a book was written by, I forget how many authors, and over a period of 1,500 years, and it all fits. You see, if we believe in the birth of Jesus, we have to believe in the resurrection. If, if we don't believe in the resurrection, the birth means nothing. It, it, you know, the miracle, the, we can believe in the miracles of Jesus, you know, feeding 5,000, but we can't believe his teachings or believe his teachings, but not the miracles. Well, he couldn't, have. that's just people just exaggerating. You see, it's a package deal. It's a it's, it's a, it's all or nothing. We believe in it. Now there are parts of it we don't understand. There are parts of things that's like, you know, in the book of Revelation, we're reading all this stuff and it's like, oh my gosh, Joe. what's he talking about? Well, I like the one guy, he says, uh, the scorpion that has fire from its tail, it's just, you know, how would a, you know, 2000, how, 2,000 years ago, how would they describe an Apache helicopter? You know, with fire from its tail, you know? How would you describe that? Giant scorpion with fire from its tail that it flies. You see, it's a package. And sometimes we see it, and sometimes we understand it, but it's all there. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not just because it's a religious claim. It is a historical claim. When Christians say Jesus rose from the dead, we don't mean that he rose spiritually or metaphorically or allegorically. We believe that Jesus physically rose from the dead. So whenever we say that Jesus is born of a virgin, Jesus is born of a virgin. She doesn't. She didn't know a man, and she's the only one in history for this to happen. And it is it is an imperfect person proclaiming about how that God came and changed their life. The one story that I like so much. How much I didn't. You don't have my timer up. Sorry, I might have lost my time. It's almost time to quit. And I haven't got started yet. Uh, <laughs> we'll move to Matthew in just a moment. Um, when, when Mary receives knowledge that the Holy Spirit comes upon her and she, she conceives, and the Gabriel says, your cousin um, Elizabeth is with child. And so they, did, you know, and Elizabeth, her husband, he's been shut up. <laughs> he's not allowed to speak. It's, it's, a, it's important that see, here's an old here's an old here's an older individual that he believes that he is beyond the age of having a child, just like Abraham and Sarah. But he and Elizabeth are seemingly beyond the age of having a child. But they have a child. But he's not he doesn't he's not allowed to say he's not allowed to talk because he would probably go around telling, you know, this angel came and told me we were going to have a, we to have a child, but you know, I must have been dreaming. <laughs> I must have had some bad pizza because, you know, how can me... See, he wasn't allowed to talk. Sometimes we talk ourselves out of God's miracle in our life. And what I want to show here, read, read Matthew well, it's, is it, how long is that? Three minutes and 45, that's a long time. I'll just, I'll just, uh, we all read, the, you know, begot, you probably haven't read the whole thing because you got tired of it in the middle. And uh, so the Jewish religion was lost in political corruption and betrayal. And it was, it were, the Jewish nation was oppressed by the Roman civilization, and then we have Matthew. And he says, and this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it goes on, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah, and his brothers Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Abimadad, remember, the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salem, Solomon uh, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother wa- had been Uriah, his wife. Wow, that's all the far that I wanted to go with that. Did you notice there is at least three imperfect people in this genealogy? The imperfect people in the lineage of Christ. Imperfect people in the lineage of Christ. We find that Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob means deceiver. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, prince with God. But in the lineage of Jesus, his name is Jacob. So Jacob stole the birthright from his brother. And he didn't steal it, but his brother gave it away, sold it for porridge and whatever, a bowl of soup. And so we have, here's Jacob. He's the first one. He's the first one here in this lineage that speaks of, he's not quite the best person. And and the reason I bring this up is, how many times in our lineage, do we look at our family tree and see who's hanging from it? <laughs> and they're not really good people. And you see, it doesn't matter for, for us and for the ministry, for the call of God. It doesn't matter who your parents were. It matters that God has come into your life at this point in time. And you now are going to change the outcome of your family from here on out. So not because you're too old or too young, important or not important, has nothing to do with it. God is going to change your heart and you're going to change, you're going to institute a change that takes place in the people around you. Because you're going to be different in the way you think and what you expect. See, in the lineage of Jesus, we have these people that shouldn't be there. If you were going to put together a fake smoke and mirror religion, (laughs) you you wouldn't include all these ba- these people, these rejects, you know, and, and and Jacob was a deceiver. But you go on down a little further, and in verse oh, in verse two we spoke about Jacob, and then in chapter two, oh, wait a minute, in, I, I I skipped ahead here. In verse five, Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, okay. Who's Rahab? She's a prostitute. She is in the city of Jericho, and I I I wrote I, I copied this. It says, and this is in uh, Joshua chapter two verse eight. Before the spies, so the spies have entered into Jericho, and they're hiding. They need to hide because the king has heard that they're there and he wants to kill them. But Rahab hides them. And this is what she says. Before the spies were, were down for the night, the woman came up to them on the roof and said, I know that God has given you the land. We're all afraid. Everyone in the country feels hopeless. We heard how God dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you left Egypt, and what he did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan, uh, Shihon and Og, whom you put under the holy curse. And destroyed, we heard it, and our hearts sank. We all had the wind knocked out of us, and all, and, and all because of you, you and God, your God, God the heavens above, and God of the earth below. Now promise me by the God, I showed you mercy. Now show my family mercy. Here is a woman <laughs> who is a harlot who is living in the city that is about to be destroyed, and she saves the messengers of God, and they in turn save her life, and she in turn becomes part of the lineage of the Messiah. (laughs) You see, when God, when you change, when you find God, you find your life changing. You see, you cannot, I cannot go back and change my ancestry line, but I can change my response to life and to what I believe and to what I accept, and my belief isn't in a fairy tale God who shows up one day a year and throws all kinds of gifts under the tree. <laughs> That's not our God. Our God is a very credible being who created, you know, the heavens and the earth, who spoke them into existence, and His Word creates that same type of life in us. And and when I was telling the story about when. Mary visited Elizabeth, that when she greeted Elizabeth, the baby John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb jumped to life (laughs) when Mary greeted her because Jesus is alive in Mary's womb. And when the Word of God comes to our life, when the promises of God come to our life, it excites something on the inside. You know, it excites that part of our spiritual person that, wow, this is true, this is going to happen, and then our physical man believes it and quotes it and talks about it, that God has promised, whenever it says that, all things work together for good. Our, person, our, our physical person is down because of situations and people and things. And our spiritual man hears that all things are going to work together for good to those who love God or called according to his purpose. The Spirit brings that to life and there's suddenly a change in our demeanor and our expectations knowing that God is at work in all of this. So Rahab, not your uh, mother of the month club, Individual, And she becomes part of the lineage of Jesus. And then the next verse, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And who's Ruth? She's right back there in the second pew. Ruth is the one that is with Naomi. Naomi had a husband, two sons, left, left Bethlehem, went to a, another country. Her husband dies. Her two sons marry. They, they die. They're killed in the battle or something. And so the two widows and Naomi head back to, to Bethlehem. Of course, Ruth is the one when Naomi says, you go back. Go back to your family. The only thing ahead of us, is poverty and begging. And Ruth says, where you lodge, I will lodge. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. You see, her lineage was caught up in idolatry. But her love for Naomi caused her to see something in Naomi that gave life to her spirit, and she wouldn't leave her. And because of that, she goes back to Bethlehem with Naomi, and she marries Boaz, and she's part of the lineage of Jesus. And then, the last one, and I'll quit with this, when Solomon, Solomon's mother, is Uriah the Hittite's wife, and David had Uriah killed. And his wife becomes the lineage of Jesus. You know, in our way of thinking, that should have never happened. <laughs> but you see, when God forgives and when God restores, God changes. And what we think and how we think this should be or whatever all we are called to do is to forgive to love to expect that God can do great things in us and through us and it doesn't matter how we got here it matters that God is with us and he's going to take us onward in our next steps and the, the Christmas this Christmas let's believe that God is able to change me in such a way that I will, change, I will change the destiny of other people just by the way I live, just by what I say, by being an encourager, by telling people that God loves them and that God can make a difference in their life. We don't have to be the TV preacher. We can just be ourselves, believing and knowing that God has made a difference in us and he then will use us to make a difference in others. And that's what we see in the lineage of Jesus. People who were imperfect, but when the touch of God on their life changed them. That's what's going on in our life. God is changing us. Amen? Amen. Let's stand, shall we? Thank you, Father, for the blessings of your word. Help us, O Lord, as we read the scriptures and as we go through this Christmas season, we will understand the gifts that you've given to us. That you want us to open every day. Bring to life the expectation of your spirit inside of us. Let us see what you see. <laughs> Let us hear your words. Let us, O oh God, have strength to do your deeds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.